You are listening to audio from First Baptist Church in Fort Walton Beach. If you would like more resources or to watch our service online, please visit fbcfwb.org. Listen in as Pastor Wade helps us abide in Christ and advance the gospel through the teaching and the proclamation of God's Word. Psalm 28, Psalm 28. Dr. Kendall Easley says that God, the true and glorious King, is worthy of all praise and prayer, thanksgiving and confidence, whatever the occasion in personal or community life. That's his summary of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is one big reminder, 150 chapters of reminders that God is worthy of our worship and worthy of our trust, uh, no matter what we're going through in life. And then John Piper writes uh, that the Psalms are songs. As I remind you every week, the, the, the Psalms are really a collection of hymns the Hebrew people used in worship. So it's a hymn book. The Psalms are songs, they are poems, they are written to awaken and express and shape the emotional life of God's people, poetry and singing exist because God made us with emotions, not just thoughts. Our emotions are massively important. Uh, you name an emotion, you can find it somewhere in the Psalms and see how the different writers of the Psalms uh, brought those emotions before uh, the Lord. And so we connect with the Psalm on the Psalms on an emotional level. That's why we love them so much. And we've made it to Psalm 28. Psalm 28 is a really interesting psalm. It's a psalm about what the, the ancients used to call importunate prayer. And what they mean by that is prayer that does not give up. Uh, prayer that keeps on keeping on. Prayer that does not throw in the towel. We all have a, an inclination because of our weakness we all have an inclination when we don't see immediate answers to prayer or answers like we want to see, uh, then we are prone to just stop praying, to throw in the towel. And this psalm and other verses are reminders that we are to pray persistently, to keep on keeping on in our prayers. So let's read Psalm 28 together. It's just nine verses, and I'll pray, and then we will jump in um, to this study together. Notice there, it is a psalm of David. And David says, To you, O Lord, I call. My rock be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, uh, with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work and according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts with my song. I give thanks to him. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Let's pray together. Father, we pause in this moment to just tell you that we love you. 
We thank you that um, you first loved us, and we thank you that we can be uh, assured of that love by looking at the cross, the, the very fact that you gave your son to die on the cross for our sins is the supreme demonstration of your love, and we are grateful for it. And we're grateful, Lord, for your power, your power that has defeated sin and your power that has defeated death, resurrection power, your power, Lord, that is at work within us to change us from the inside out. We are grateful for your power. And we're grateful, Lord, for your presence, the fact that you never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, your presence is an unfailing reality in our lives, and we thank you for your presence. And we thank you for the fact that you speak to us through your word. You've given us the Bible to learn from, to live by, to be transformed by. As I read this morning in my time alone with you, your your word is 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 a mirror. It's the perfect law of liberty. And we when we peer into the word of God, you reflect back things that we need to see about ourselves, things we need to address and things we need to respond to. And so we're grateful, Lord, for your word. I'm grateful, Lord, for my church family. I'm grateful, Lord, for the people in this room and the the extended church family, those that could not be here tonight. And God, I, I just thank you that we get to be together and love each other and uh, encourage one another and uh, just enjoy each other's company. I'm grateful for the gathering tonight as we study your word and fellowship around your word. I'm grateful for what's going on in preschool ministry as as children are learning about missions and children's ministry, as our older children are learning about missions and our student ministry, as they are worshiping Jesus through song and through preaching. Uh, God, I'm, God, I'm grateful for all the, the ministry uh, that's happening on this campus. D groups that are meeting, God, discipleship. I'm grateful for all the ministries that are happening on our campus tonight. We pray that you would bless them all by your grace and for your glory. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't give up on prayer. As I've told you, I think almost every week, David was a man who was well acquainted with trouble. He went through a lot of difficult things, and most of the Psalms are written in that context. They're written in the context of trouble. And in this Psalm, we, we see the very interesting progression of David calling out to God, begging God, um, you know, crying out to God, uh, needing God's help in prayer, and he keeps on praying even when he doesn't see immediate results. And at the end of the psalm, we see him thanking God for answered prayer. So it's a, it's a real encouragement for you and for me to keep on praying. I wonder tonight, we have some folks in this room, and there's something or someone you've been praying about or praying for, and you're praying fervently, and you're praying hopefully, and you just don't see things changing the way you want to see them change, or the, or the timeline is just not lining up with your timeline, and you feel maybe a little bit of, of frustration. I mean, you don't want to say that out loud, but, but you feel a little bit of frustration, and you just wonder if your prayers are doing any good, if they're, if they're even getting past the ceiling, and there may even be part of you tonight. There's a situation you've been praying about. You don't see anything happening, and you just kind of want to just stop praying. Or maybe you have stopped praying. Maybe there's a situation in your life, and and there was a time you were praying about it, but now you've stopped. You just stop praying about it. Like that's not effective. So I'm going to stop praying. Well, this psalm is for you. And if that's not where you are in your life, if you're not if you're not kind of dealing 
with, uh, with that challenge, that challenge will come eventually. There will come a time in your life when you are asking God to do something, praying about something, and, and you just don't see immediate results. And you'll have to come to the decision, am I going to keep on praying or am I going to throw in the towel? David's encouragement or the encouragement of Psalm 28 is don't give up on prayer. All right, so in this psalm, we see uh, really three, three aspects or three headings that I want to just share the psalm with you under. The first heading is this. In this psalm, we see the reality of unanswered prayer. The reality of unanswered prayer. Some of you already know that because you've heard that from the great theologian Garth Brooks. That, you know, sometimes we pray and the prayer is unanswered. Some of you don't get that. Okay. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe we'll sing it later. The reality of unanswered prayer. Um, there's a progression here that I want you to see um, in this psalm. Uh, notice the progression. First, I'm calling. Look in verse 1. To you, O Lord, I call. To you, O Lord, I call. So David is actively opening his mouth and articulating words, calling out to God, talking to God, bringing his concerns and cares to God. And by the way, that's what prayer is. Prayer at its very essence is talking to God. When I grew up in church as a little guy, I thought prayer is what the deacons did when they prayed before the offering. And I thought, that's prayer. And if that's prayer, I can't pray like that. They pray in, in very um, uh, high-minded uh, language, and they're using thou's and these and shouts and beseeches. And I can't pray. I don't know how to pray like that. And so as a little boy, I just kind of thought, you know, prayer's not really for me. It's not, it's not a thing I do. That's, that's what the deacons do. That's what the pastor does. They, that's the one who prays. But, but listen, that, that's not what prayer, prayer, certain public prayer is important and beautiful and wonderful. But prayer at its essence is the reality that if you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, if your sins have been washed away, if you are born again, you can talk to the God of the universe about anything. And you don't have to, you don't have to come to him with some certain type of of uh, religious sounding language. You can just talk to him reverently, absolutely, understanding who you're talking to, yes, but you can talk to God and call out to him. And David says, I'm calling to you, O Lord. But, not, but notice the progression. Not only I'm calling, but he, he goes to, I'm desperate. Look in verse one. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock, be not deaf to me. Lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. In other words, God, if you don't come through, I am sunk. So you see here, he's, he's praying, he's calling out to God, but there's a progression to a little bit of desperation. where He's like, God, I, you've got to help me here. If you don't help me here, I'll be like those who go down to the pit. I, I, will, I will be like a dead man if you don't come to my rescue. So there's, there's a desperation. And then it goes from calling and desperation to like this pleading Pleading. Look what it says in verse 2. Hear the voice of my, what's that word there? Pleas for mercy. My pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. Hear the voice of my plea. I'm pleading for 
this thing. I'm, I'm so desperate for you to, to help me, God. I'm, I'm pleading for this. I'm, 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 I'm so serious and, 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 um, and fervent about this need in my life. I'm pleading with you, asking you to help me. When's the last time you, you prayed in such a way that you were actually pleading um, with God? You know, pleading comes naturally uh, for, you know, for kids. They get this. You know, when kids want something, they know how to plead. You don't have to teach them how to plead. They just know how to plead, right? And uh, and it just comes naturally. But somewhere down the line, we lose that that childlike faith and that that prayer emphasis that comes to God and, and pleads, asking Him for His help. And then the, the final part of this progression is I'm crying out. I'm calling out. I'm desperate. I'm pleading and I'm crying out. Look in verse 2. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. When I cry to you for help. This is not a, a little, cute little, nice little, you know, private prayer. This is not vespers. This, this, is, this is a desperate man who desperately needs God's help. And he is unashamedly crying out to God for help. That's the progression of prayer. Why? Why, why is this, this prayer progressing like this? Because Dave is not seeing immediate answers to what he's asking for. So he calls, and then he, and then he, he gets a little bit desperate, then he pleads, and then he calls out. He's, he's, he's asking God to answer his uh, prayer. Which leads to this question. What can we learn from David here? What should we do when we don't see immediate answers to our prayers? What should we do? when we don't see immediate answers to our prayers. First, following David's example, pray confidently. Pray confidently. There in verse 1, To you, O Lord, I call. Notice the titles he uses. He calls him there, O Lord. I've told you week after week that when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the translation of the divine name of God, the God the name that God gave Moses at the burning bush, Yahweh, is the way it's often uh, pronounced, or Jehovah. And he's saying there, to you, O Lord, I call. So he has this relationship with the covenant God of Israel, relationship with God. So that's the, the first title he uses. Look at the next title he uses. He uses a metaphor here. To you, O Lord, I call my rock. My rock. Now, God is not literally a rock, right? That's a metaphor to to teach us something about God. What's the metaphor of a rock teaches about God? That God's a firm foundation, right? He, he's, he's steady. He's strong. He cannot be moved. And, and David's saying, hey, I'm in, a, I'm in a precarious moment here, but you are my rock. It feels like that the ground beneath me is shifting, God, but you are my rock. And so he's praying confidently, Lord and rock, the titles he uses. But notice also the place that he prays. Look what it says in verse 2. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. Now look at this next phrase. When I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. When I lift my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. We see throughout the Old Testament, God instructs his people to pray towards the sanctuary because the sanctuary is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and God would manifest his presence 
on the Ark of the Covenant. He would come and meet with his people on top of the Ark of the Covenant. So the, the, the tabernacle, the sanctuary, represented the presence of God, and it was a reminder of how you come to God and how you are heard by God because the, the the sanctuary was the center of the sacrificial system where they sacrificed animals and shed the blood of animals and sprinkled the blood on the altar and sprinkled the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. All of those ceremonies were reminding the people of Israel that you're guilty and innocence must die for your guilt and you cannot come to God except for the shedding of blood to cover your sins. It's like the writer of Hebrews says over in Hebrews chapter 9, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, no forgiveness of sins. And the, the sacrificial system taught that and pointed to the one who would give the ultimate sacrifice, shedding his blood on the cross, and his name is Jesus. James Montgomery Boyce picks up on this. He says, this uh, phrase, toward your most holy sanctuary, refers to the innermost part of the tabernacle or temple enclosure where the Ark of the Covenant rested. It was there where the blood sacrifices were offered for the nation's sin on the annual Day of Atonement. So when David addresses his appeal toward God's most holy place, he is telling God that he's coming on the basis of the shed blood. A sinner who knows that his sin must be atoned for before he can approach the Almighty. Today we know that the actual atonement was made for us by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so David's saying, I understand I'm not worthy to come before you. I'm coming before you on the basis of the shed blood. I'm coming before you on the basis of the sacrificial system, which points to the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, We stretch out empty hands for we are beggars. We lift them up for we seek heavenly supplies. We lift them towards the mercy seat for, of Jesus, for there our expectation dwells. And so just a reminder that as you're praying, you, you are uh, cognizant that you can only talk to God because Jesus shed his blood to wash away your sins and bring you into his presence. So that's, those are the titles he uses and the place that he uh, prays. He is praying confidently. And let me tell you why you can pray confidently even when you don't see an immediate answer to prayer. You ready? And This is not in your notes. So just jot it down. God, And I want you to remember this. this is, maybe you came to church tonight to hear this next sentence. Okay, you ready? Okay, that's discouraging. Are you ready? All right. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. God delaying is not always no. It's God delaying because he's God. God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. So the question becomes, well, I mean, why doesn't God just, why didn't he just answer my prayer immediately and, and not put me through this, you know, this emotional turmoil of not seeing, why, did, why, did, why are there delays, right? Why? Well, a couple things. First of all, you understand, don't you, that God knows more than you do. How many of you get that? Raise your hand. He knows everything. He knows some things you don't know. And, and by the way, if you knew everything he knew, it, it would probably change the things you ask for. <laughs> right? He knows everything. So it's like, you know, if my kid comes to me and says, hey, Dad, I want to eat McDonald's every day and live in Disney World. Well, why don't you answer my prayer, Dad? I'm, why don't you answer my request? That's, where I want, that's what I want to eat. That's what I, want. Well, I know some things they don't know. I know that's not feasible financially, and I know it's not healthy. Right? 
God knows some things. We think we know it all, but we really don't. God knows it all. All right? That, that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Prayer changes things. I really believe that prayer is a means through which God works. He works through the prayers of his people. He moves in response to the prayers of his people. So I believe there are things that happen because we pray that would not happen if we did not pray. I think it's just a simple teaching of scripture. So prayer changes things. So we need to pray and ask God to move. But but here's the second thing, and I think we forget this a lot of times. Prayer changes us. Prayer changes us. Because it puts us in the presence of God. It gets our focus where it needs to be. It helps us put things in perspective. It helps us to cast burdens on him so we're not living under those burdens. Prayer changes us. Have you ever considered that maybe God's delaying because he wants to spend more time with you? Maybe this thing that's causing stress and strain in your life has brought you to the throne of grace and you haven't been to the throne of grace lately. And maybe God wants you there at the throne a little bit longer to spend some time with him so you can be changed in that praying. You know, prayer is not just a, a transactional, I ask, you do. Prayer is relational. Think of the, the metaphors of Scripture. He's our Father. He's our Shepherd, right? That he, it's a relational. It's talking to God, letting Him speak into our lives as we talk to Him and trust Him. And so God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. So when you pray and don't see an immediate answer, don't stop praying. Pray confidently because He wants you to pray and keep praying. And which leads to the second thing, pray persistently. Pray persistently. Pray and keep praying. And there's a, there's a, a great parable that Jesus shares in Luke 18. So hold your place. Turn to Luke 18 with me. Luke chapter 18. I love this story. By the way, just kind of interesting information. Luke is the gospel that has the most to say about prayer. If, if you want an interesting little study someday, Read through the Gospel of Luke over a week or two weeks, something like that, and mark every time you see something about prayer. It's, it's in Luke 11 where the disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And there are a lot of verses about prayer in uh, the Gospel of Luke, including Luke 18. Now look at the context of this parable he's about to share. Luke 18, verse 1. He, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So the purpose of the parable is to encourage them to pray and keep on praying, to pray without throwing in the towel, to, to, to not give up on prayers. So that's why he's going to share this parable, to encourage them in that direction. So here's the parable. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I always kind of chuckle at that, I will give her justice so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So the picture is an unrighteous judge who gives way to a persistent request from a 
widow. He's like, she's not going to keep asking. She's not going to stop asking. I'm, I'm going to give in. Now look what Jesus says in verse 6. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, his children, those that belong to him, who cry to him, what, day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, here it is, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, if an unrighteous judge finally responds to persistence, how much more will a good God a loving father desire to respond to your fervent, intense, persistent prayer. And so even though you don't see an answer right away, we're called by Jesus to keep on praying. But notice the last part of that section. When the Son of Man comes, we find this kind of faith. It takes, listen, it takes faith to pray when you don't see the answer, doesn't it? It takes faith to pray and not give up. It takes faith to not throw in the towel. It takes faith to pray persistently, understanding that as you pray, God is all-powerful, can absolutely answer your request and meet your need, but also understanding, here's what faith is, that God is God and He is all-wise. He knows things you do not know, so He knows the right way and the right timing in which to answer your prayer. I know you have a timetable. I do too. When our timetable is not met, it's pretty uncomfortable, isn't it? But listen to me. God knows best. And that's what praying in faith is. So we see here the, the reality of unanswered prayer. You've experienced this maybe in this room right now. You're experiencing this. But secondly, we see back in Psalm 28, the blessing of answered prayer. The blessing of answered prayer. So look what it says back in uh, Psalm 28, verse 6. David says, well, back up to verse uh, 3. Do not drag me off of the wicked with the workers of evil who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work, according to the evil of their deeds. So he's got folks around him that want to harm him. He's asking God to take care of them, to rescue him. He says in uh, verse 5, because they do not regard the works of the Lord, the work of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. Now look at verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. Why? He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. And so David here is writing what it looks like when you pray and you see God answer that prayer. The blessing of answered prayer there in verse 6 and verse 7. He says there in verse 7, The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exults. With my song I give thanks to Him. Here's what happens in Psalm 128. You ready? David's sobbing turns into singing. He's crying out. He's despondent. He's stressed. but his sobbing turns into singing. Now he's saying, with my song, I give thanks to him. He saw God's hand. David here experiences God's timely intervention.
Over in Hebrews 4.16, the Bible says that we're to come to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in times of need. And that phrase, times of need, means timely assistance or well-timed help. Divine help, listen to me, God's help always comes at the appropriate time. Always. Because God knows the appropriate time. Since God is the one who gives the help and he's perfect, we can safely assume that he's aware of the right time to give that help. So when we pray, we can trust his power, his compassion, and his timing. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Listen to these verses. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Did you hear that? At the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. God knows the proper time to deal with the cares that you cast upon him. So David here is saying, he's heard my pleas. He's my strength. He's my shield. He's my song. His sobbing turns into singing the blessing of answered prayer. And then he just keeps on going. Third, we see the response of vibrant praise. The response of vibrant praise. He says there uh, in verse 7, My heart exalts from my song. I give thanks to him. Then he just begins to praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, the saving refuge of his anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. David celebrates three things about God here. First of all, he celebrates God's strength. Notice there in verse 7, The Lord is my Strength, verse 8, the Lord is the strength of his people. He speaks there of the, of the strength that God gives. Let me tell you a, a way that I pray for people a lot uh, when, when I'm you know, bringing people before the Lord and bringing their needs before the Lord. I pray for God's strength. And I pray for that strength in different areas of their life. So I pray for people's physical strength, that God would give them the physical strength they need to, to carry out the callings he has in their life and to serve him to make it through whatever they're going through. I pray for um, emotional strength. Uh, I pray for mental strength. You know, mental health is a real thing. And I pray that God would give people emotional strength and mental strength uh, that comes from Him to keep people steady and keep people uh, going in the right direction and to keep people from, from going down the path of despondency or depression, that God would give them uh, emotional and mental strength. I pray that God would give them spiritual strength, an inner resolve to serve Jesus and walk with Him and live for Him and do what He's called them to do. Uh, and, and God is a God of strength. All those areas in our lives that call for strength, He will meet those needs with His strength. And so we see that David celebrates God's strength. David celebrates God's protection. Notice what he says there in verse 7. He's my strength and my what? Shield. What's a shield? It's something you get behind so you don't get hurt by the enemy's weapons, right? It's a, it's a shield. And then look what he says there uh, in verse 8. The Lord's the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. When you know him, he's your refuge. He's a place you can hide from your enemies. You can be safe, uh, fortified from those that seek to harm you. And so David celebrates God's strength. He celebrates God's protection over his life. And I, and I hope uh, I hope you think often about God's protection over your life. And let me just give you an example of how God protects us. You're all here tonight. Right? Like, you're not in heaven right now. 
you're here because God has watched over you through your life and brought you here. I'm not saying it's been an easy journey. I'm not saying that you had not gone through some hard stuff, but you're here. And you're going to be here until God's done with you here, and then he'll take you there. How can you lose, right? It's good news. And so he's our protection. He's our refuge. And then David celebrates God's, God's care. Look in verse 9. Oh, save your people. Bless your heritage. Be their shepherd. The, 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 the picture of the shepherd is a picture of tenderness, a shepherd caring for a sheep. Because look what it says next. Harry them forever. It's a tender picture. As a shepherd, carry your people. Um, carry people through the hardship they deal with, the, the, the challenges of this life. Carry them. God cares for us. And so David is just celebrating. The end of this psalm is just a big, uh, big praise fest. David is excited about answered prayer. We talked about this last night in our deacons meeting about when God answers prayer, we should we should recognize, hey, God answered my prayer. <laughs> and we ought, to, we ought to celebrate when God does that and mark it when God does that. And so when God answers our prayers, it should invoke passionate praise. When God answers our prayers, it should invoke passionate praise. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, answered prayers should be acknowledged do we not often fail in this duty? Would it not greatly encourage others and strengthen ourselves if we faithfully recorded divine goodness, made a point of extolling it with our tongue? We should shun ingratitude and live daily in the heavenly atmosphere of thankful love. So I have on my phone a prayer app called Prayer Mate. Prayer Mate. I think it's available on uh, Apple devices. It's available on, uh, what's the other one called? Uh, and Androids, you know, you know what I use, uh, Android, um, the one my dad uses that I can't communicate with him through Apple messages that drives me crazy. But anyway, um, so either platform, this 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 prayer app is available, and what it is, it's just you input information and it organizes information for you, and it brings up the request. So you can pray for them regularly, and you basically type in a, you make a little card for each of your. Requests. I love it because I can go back to that card and look at how I've been praying for somebody or something. And when I see an answer, I can just go back in and put, you know, answer to this prayer. Saw God answer this prayer here or there. And it's just basically a digital journal. So whether you have, you know, an app on your phone or, uh, you know, just a notebook, uh, a notebook pad or whatever, it's good to, to jot down your prayers and things you're praying for. So that when you see them answered, you know that it's God at work through your prayer life. By the way, some of the reasons it's good to pray specifically. If you never pray specific prayers, you're never going to really make the connection that God answers prayer. If you're just praying kind of broad stuff, then you're not really going to see direct specific connections with specific with you know with with your prayer life. I'll give you an example. Um, dear couple from my previous church. Uh, they got to a point where they needed to move closer to their um, sons so they, they, uh, and, their, and their grandkids. So they moved from the area in, in North Mississippi. They moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, they were praying for a house. They sold their house, and they were, and they were praying for a house. And um, they were praying just that God would provide a house. Okay, that was their prayer. Their grandson, they were moving closer to the grandson in Little Rock, he started praying that they would be close enough that he could ride their his bike to their house. And guess what? 
They got a house less than a mile in the neighborhood where he could ride his bike to their house. So they could say, God answered our prayer, gave us a house, right? A little boy could say, hey, God answered my prayer. I can ride my bike there. See the different specific prayer requests? And so when those things happen and you mark those moments of answered prayer, it should cause you to well up in vibrant praise, celebrating God's goodness, celebrate God's answers to prayer. And, and, and answered prayer motivates you to not give up when you're praying about something you don't see an answer to yet, right? In other words, when you're praying and you don't see God you know, meeting that need immediately, you can look back and say, oh, God's got this. I, can, I have a long history of seeing how God has answered my prayers. And so I can pray with confidence and persistence and not give up. And so Psalm 28 is a wonderful prayer about not giving up on prayer. David didn't, and he saw God's hand. He saw God's goodness in his life. Thank you for listening. We pray you've been encouraged and inspired by God's word. May the Lord richly bless you.